This week's episode is sponsored by Jagged Edge Productions and ITN Studios' Winnie the Pooh, Blood and Honey 2. Only in theaters, March 26th to March 28th. The suspenseful and thrilling sequel to last year's immense hit, Winnie the Pooh, Blood and Honey, amplifies the gore factor with ten times the number of kills to put fans both new and old at the edge of their seats. After Christopher Robin reveals their existence, Winnie the Pooh, Piglet, Tigger, and Owl land on the endangered species list as hard targets. Unwilling to hide in the shadows, the ultimate scream team embarks on a murderous rampage through the town of Ashdown to get their revenge on Christopher Robin, once and for all. So don't miss out, and mark your calendars to catch the limited engagement of Winnie the Pooh, Blood and Honey 2, only in theaters March 26th to March 28th. Tickets are available now. zombie horror movies that not many people have heard of or that fall under the radar and don't get enough love. All right. Thank you. Thanks, Andrew. Uh, I'm not going to pretend like it doesn't hurt that you just went right to Xena and didn't think that I would be a treasure trove of zombie movies, which I'm not, (laughs) but, you know, it still hurts. So why don't we just start it off with Xena, throw a bunch at him. Shotgun yeah? Approach. Oh, whoa. Okay, usually you give me a limit. Yeah, no I... limits this time. No, that's get a Zena question only, so go for it. No, okay. Well, thanks, Andrew. Okay, so uh, first that came to mind, this is Japanese action horror called Versus from 2000. Um, this one's known, but I don't know if people really like I mean, I like it. So The Crazies from 2010. Um, Mulberry Street from 2006. Also, uh, for some comedy horrors, I have a couple of couple of comedy horrors. So there's one that's called Ah Zombies from 2007. <laughs> it's from <laughs> it's from the zombie uh, perspective. It's actually pretty cool and it's funny. Dead Alive, um, 19, I think 1992 or 1994. Uh, Dance of the Dead 2008. The Dead Hate the Living. Uh, one of the Dead. Um, I think that this one is funny. I don't know if other people found it funny, but Cemetery Man. I mean, yeah. it made me laugh. It and, is a comedy, um, yeah. Right? And then uh, more, I guess, independent. There's this one called The Demented from 2013. And it's about these six friends. You know, they have like a weekend getaway. And there's like some type of terrorist attack that turns people into zombies. And it's actually pretty fun. It's, it's very fast-paced, um, really cool. And then I previously told you guys about the Nigerian... Um, zombie movie called Ojuju and the leading character's name his name is Romero so it's very beautiful um Death Dream I count Death Dream as a zombie movie it's a good time I would think so yeah yeah 
And, um, well, everyone knows this one, but I just really like it. So, The Girl with All the Gifts. More list. people should watch it. So, yeah. Please. How about you, Megan? You got any uh, gaps to fill in on that one? I pretty much, I mean, this was a Xena-specific question, so I didn't, all I put was Wild Zero. And mostly because I, I really want to put that out in the universe so somebody will pick it up and put it on Blu-ray because it's out of print and it's hard to find. But that's a... 1999 Japanese uh, zombie comedy in which a uh, aliens are invading and turning people into zombies, and only the garage rock band Guitar Wolf can save the day. So yeah, nice. I know we've talked about it before, but I have to throw in one cut of the dead. Yes, it's zombie esque, <laughs> zombie adjacent. Um, and then my personal favorite, uh, Savage Land, which is on Tubi, it's 2015. It's found footage or uh, a mockumentary or documentary style. Not necessarily zombies, kind of zombies. Not sure if it's zombies. Really great movie, though. Highly recommend it's on Tubi. So there, Andrew. Hopefully that was enough. If not, hit us up on email. I'm sure Xena's got more. Yeah. Or you guys. Your, your lists were great, too. Our lists. <laughs> <laughs> Call two. Hello there to the Dark Trio. My name is Elliot and I'm calling to you from the wilderness that is Tasmania in far-flung southern eastern Australia. First of all, Xena, congratulations on that wonderful production gig that you've got yourselves into. Please keep us informed. I'm fascinated to hear how that turns out. Now, my question for you today is what are your favourite horror movie taglines? Because there are quite a few good ones out there. You know, um, was it... Uh, just when you thought it was safe to go back in the water, in space no one can hear you scream, who will survive and what will be left of them, those sort of things. We had a real beauty here in Australia um, in the mid-80s when John Carpenter's The Thing was released, and I have to put my best radio voice on for this one. It simply said, John Carpenter's The Thing, man is the warmest place to hide, which to this day still creeps me out. So what are yours? Really loving the podcast, guys. Please keep it up. Speak to you soon. Take care. Bye. Thanks, Elliot. So a little behind the scenes, Elliot actually sent that voice clip to us via email instead of leaving it in our voicemail. Understandable. (laughs) International rates. Yeah. Yeah. And it's also why I'm going to say why his voice sounds so amazing and why both of you slightly swooned when you listened to it. We totally did. Can can you send (laughs) us a, a bedtime story, Elliot? Listen, Elliot, you can't have my job. This is mine. <laughs> and I would like to point out, I would like to point out that some some linguistic scholars believe Minnesotan accent to be one of the romance languages. <laughs> There's room at the table for all voices. True. All right. We'll, we'll just move on from uh, my shortcomings. And You're favorite so- taglines. But let's start with Megan. What are some of your favorite taglines? I will forever and ever be obsessed with the Demons tagline, the 1985 movie, um, which is they will make cemeteries their cathedrals and the cities will be your tombs. How elegant is that for a punk rock Italian zombie movie? I just, I'm obsessed. Yes. That sounds like a newspaper clipping from the 1890s. Yeah, but no. It was no. so full of orly and overwritten. That was amazing. Instead, you know, it's a bunch of people trapped in a movie theater and Billy Idol's on the soundtrack. And yeah, totally mismatch, but it, it works. I love it. Um, and then The Blob, 1988. Scream now while there's still room to breathe. 
Mm-hmm. And you just like look at the cover box with the character trying to push through and getting eaten. And I've just, yeah, it fits. And if we're going even more succinct than pieces, it's exactly what Ooh. you think it is. Yeah. <laughs> what about you? I'll be using you now. Uh, so the first one um, from Abby, the black exploitation one from 1974. Abby doesn't need. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm gonna. Add... Okay, it's the snacks. Abby doesn't need a man anymore. The devil is her lover now, and it's just like okay, <laughs> <laughs> you know. <laughs> so this, very in the this, lead that in that one. one. Right. Um, I also love uh, Maniac uh, from 1980. I warned you um, not to go out tonight. Just straight to the point. And it's yeah. like, but did you? I don't know. But okay. <laughs> I don't remember getting that warning, but okay. <laughs> yeah. And then, of course, Dawn of the Dead's uh, 1978 one. Uh, when there's no room um, in hell, the dead will walk, walk the earth. It's just a classic. And uh, I guess just another silly, kind of silly one that makes me laugh uh, from Night Beast. 1982, if you have the guts, he wants them. So, okay. See, and I, I went more classics like Alien and Space, No One Can Hear You Scream. Love that one. Um, Pet Cemetery. Sometimes Dead is Better. Oh, yeah. Uh, I couldn't remember what movie it belonged to, so I had to look it up. Be Afraid, Be Very Afraid. Oh. I had no idea that was associated with The Fly. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That never would have... I don't think I ever put two and two together. It's like one of Gina Davis's most famous lines in the movie. I yeah, but I haven't watched The Fly in a long time. Oh. That's one of the harder body horror watches. That's for fair. Me. That's fair. There's a lot of pustules in that movie. I adore that movie <laughs> so much. Um and then, and I didn't realize that the tagline for the thing was "Man is such a warm place to hide." That's awesome. That's another layer of awesome to John Carpenter. <laughs> And my all-time favorite, as I've said before, and it still is, popcorn. Buy a bag, go home in a box. That is a good one. It's such a good one. <laughs> there. Thanks, Elliot. And feel free to, to send voice messages to Megan and Zena. And I'm guessing our most of our listening audience right now, maybe you'll just have a segment in the future. <laughs> But for now, welcome to the Bloody Disgusting Podcast, everyone, the podcast where we discuss all the disgusting things we love in the horror world. And to discuss the disgusting, you know her as lead movie critic for Bloody Disgusting, horror movie fanatic and journalist Megan Navarro. Hey, Megan. Hi. And you know her from her YouTube channel and website, Real Queen of Horror, and her infinite love for the genre, Zena Dixon. Hey, Zena. Hello. And I'm John. (laughs) Is it the fruit snacks? She brought fruit snacks. (laughs) If you're listening to this on a Wednesday when the episode drops, we hope your week's been filled with all the best kinds of horror. And if not, we're going to do our quick round the table for the movies, books, games, or anything else in horror that are making the three of us smile right now. Maybe there'll be things that'll make you smile, too. Zeno, what's been filling your heart this week? Uh, so I rewatched Prom Night from 1980 on Tubi. It's been a while since I watched it, and it is still glorious. At a high school senior prom, a mass killer stalks four teenagers who were responsible for the accidental death of a classmate six years ago previously. Um, so this is like a classic slasher starring, you know, Jamie Lee Curtis. So around that time, people considered her a scream, a scream queen. But I actually also considered her a dancing queen. because <laughs> She was just dancing the night away, literally. Um, so obviously this is a slasher from the 80s. Um, so there are some familiar tropes that we've seen, you know, uh, but at the same time, I feel like it's a great example of an 80s slasher. There are drugs, teenagers get in their groove on in vans, a killer, revenge, bodies piling up, and disco <laughs> music. 
That's my favorite part. Did you learn the dance though? I've been I've been working. I wish I could show you. Maybe after when we're done, but I've been working on it. Save it for Patreon. <laughs> I feel like this was one of the '80s slasher movies I remember watching and being really confused. Part of it because of the interpretation of what school was like in the '80s and mm. how there was just a lot of assault going on, and it was kind of oh, okay it was ins- with right? everybody. It was- it was insane, you know, like everybody was just acting like it was normal. There's a guy with a unibrow running around just being terrible to, to, to women. And it's like he finally gets expelled. But what else has he done? You know, he's done terrible things previously. Totally as an aside, the the whole mention of unibrow triggered this for me. But you've, have you seen The Company of Wolves? <laughs> I can never think of unibrows, especially in horror, without thinking of the company of wolves because one of their <laughs> rules is never trust a man with a unibrow because he's a oh wolf. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> so now every time there's, like, a character in a horror movie with the unibrow, I'm like, he's a wolf. <laughs> this one, he pretty much, he was. Spoiler. <laughs> you know, his head gets chopped off, but whatever. Anyway, but yeah, um... This one, I feel, even though it, it it's like a familiar, you know, slasher, there are some new stuff that they offer us. And I don't know. I was still entertained watching it. And uh, just thinking back on it, I remember I first watched it in high school. And I was pretty confused on who I thought the killer was at the time. And then, you know, you know, by the end, like, even though it's like a slasher and, you know, the deaths aren't too, like, horrible or anything like that. Like, especially if you watch slashers, slashers like that. But it's kind of sad. You know, it's 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 very sad and sinister. Um, but, yeah, I guess just a – I always just have to compare it to other things. But, yeah, it's a perfect cross between Saturday Night Fever with disco, you know, the disco music. I realize that that might be my thing now. Um, and then obviously like Halloween, you see some Halloween in there and then Carrie, you know, just a little bit, a little bit, you know, but yeah, it's a great soundtrack. It makes me want to dance. And there's a mean girl named Wendy. Uh, she's pretty terrible, but I kind of like her. She's very fashionable. She wears a red prom dress. And even though Jamie had the hot moves and all that other stuff, like Wendy's dress was just better. Okay. <laughs> so that's, that's prom queen material, right? Better, better yeah. dress. Fair. Pretty much. But yeah, I I just feel like we need more disco slasher movies. So hopefully, we'll we'll get those. Please and thank you. If not, you will make it happen. You will pave the way. That's true. And you guys can be in it. Megan, you can be the dancer. Uh Uh-oh. Nobody wants that. That is a horror movie in itself. No. (laughs) I'll be back up. Extra. So the next one, I checked out The Paperboy from 1994 on Amazon. A homicidal 12-year-old boy, 12-year-old paper boy becomes obsessed with a woman and her daughter next door. And he'll do anything to make his fantasy of the perfect family come alive. So this is a little boy named Johnny McFarley. And he's not afraid to kill people. He's overbearing. He's whiny. He's always crying. He's just ridiculous. But I love it. What is with the early 90s and killer children? Because, yeah. like, a good son, Mikey, uh, the Daddy's paper boy. Little girl. Yeah. <laughs> there was a prevalent fear in the early 90s of children getting a little homicidal. It's ridiculous. But, you know, what I found interesting is this little boy, he really does look pretty innocent. You know, even though he's whiny and always just, why? You know, but <laughs> he's, <laughs> all he wants is just to be a member of the family. Because, sadly, his mother died. 
And then his dad doesn't have time for him, you know. And we should I, hook him up with the stepfather. May, yeah, I think that would be great, you know. But yeah, there's no gore. There's no buckets of blood. Um, there's just an unhinged child running around, killing people, just acting crazy. Like it's cheesy, but it's so enjoyable. I remember watching this as a kid, and I didn't like it. But um, I even watched it a couple of years ago, and I was just like, I still don't like it. But then I decided to rewatch it, and I was like, you know what? This isn't so bad because even though all this crazy stuff was happening. I guess I just really like the fact that he just looked super innocent. Like you would never think it was him. I mean, even though he was kind of like talking to himself while he was about to do something crazy. Oh yeah, you plan on doing this? Well, this is what I'm going to do. And it's just like, no one heard him. Like <laughs> just explaining, revealing his whole plan, but okay. Um, but yeah, uh, that's pretty much what I watched. It was, um, it, it was a very interesting week. third time's the charm on the paper boy for you there you go what about you megan i watched monsters a uh, 2010 movie it's on prime video and i'm pretty sure i saw it on tubi as well um it is about uh six years after an alien invasion crash landed on earth a cynical journalist agrees to escort a shaken american tourist through the infected zone in mexico to the safety of the u.s border um, this is writer-director Gareth Evan- Edwards' feature debut. He His next feature was 2014's Godzilla, so you can totally see uh, why he got the gig for Godzilla because of the way he focuses on the human element and, and the scale that builds from there. Um, it's a really, really gorgeous movie, uh, especially for being such a low-budget and small, like, intimate story. Um, and I'm also a big fan of bioluminescent cephalopods from space. <laughs> Who isn't? Who isn't, right? It's like these sea creatures that are giant and they're in the sky. It's great. Um, but yeah, it's really interesting how he does this story because it's, you know, it's really about two people trying to make their way through mexico with all of the odds you know passport gets stolen all of this stuff but um but then there's some very like interesting current events that get touched upon in a very organic way that doesn't feel heavy-handed so i enjoy that one but i I, you know i wouldn't say it's scary it's probably more horror adjacent sci-fi-ish kind of reminds me a little bit of annihilation in a way um nice yeah and, and then I went and revisited an old favorite since it's available on Tubi, uh, 2001's Joyride. And that yeah. one has three young people on a road trip from Colorado to New Jersey. And they decide to play a prank on a trucker via the CB radio. And uh, he's not too happy about having a prank played on him. So, you know, he, he gets a little psychotic and decides to hunt them down. This is a really fun, slick road trip horror movie that was co-written and produced by J.J. Abrams. Uh, the cast is really great. You know, Lily Sobieski, Paul Walker, and Steve Zahn. And Steve Zahn is kind of towing the line between comedic relief but serious, and he does that really, really well. Um, but obviously, who doesn't love Rusty Nail? Who They go so mm-hmm. far to preserve the mystery because you never really see him. Um, yeah, he's never even credited, but he's played by... Physically, he's played by Matthew Kimbrough, and the voice is more famous, uh, Ted Levine, and he came in 
during post-production. So I don't think he was even the original plan, but yeah, I just, it's a really fun, I'm a sucker for road trip movies, like that road trip horror movies. And, and this one was a lot of fun, really gorgeously done too. So yeah, that's what I, I saw that that just popped up on Tubi. I think it pops up for my recommended every time I turn it on. And I'm like, it's been a while, but... Jump on it, I... though, because yeah. it is showing in the expiring at the end of the month. And sometimes they mm. renew it and sometimes they don't. So watch it, you know, before the end of June if you plan on it, just in case. I'm surprised that it's actually streaming because I remember, wasn't it maybe like in the fall? I couldn't find it anywhere yeah. streaming. Yeah, yeah. That so. sometimes that happens, you know, like every, yeah. But, uh, that's why I said, like, you can kind of guarantee when you see the expired on Tubi that some movies will just renew, but that one's not for certain. So, yeah. Yeah. What'd you watch, John? Tell us. I watched Megan's pick, 2014's Honeymoon on Tubi. Young newlyweds Paul and B travel to remote lake country for their honeymoon. Shortly after arriving, Paul finds B wandering and disoriented in the middle of the night. As she becomes more distant and her behavior increasingly peculiar, Paul begins to subs- Paul begins to suspect something more sinister than sleepwalking took place in the woods. All right, Megan, why this one? Uh, I just really love the way that Lee Janiak does monster as metaphor and the way that she does this with him. Mean, it's an indie feature. Also, you know, it helps to get psyched about fear street because that's what she's yeah. doing next. Uh, but yeah, I just really, really like this story a lot. And I thought it might be an okay entry point for more body horror for you. Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> you know, with the exception of one particular scene, the body horror was not, bad except for that one scene where i was like oh that's a thing (laughs) yeah um but i was fine with it up until that point no i really liked the movie and i really liked the movie a lot for many of the same reasons why i I love monsters too i love movies that are about something else and honeymoon gives no indication at least through like the first 10 or 15 minutes of what it is at all yeah if you go in cold and don't read or the trailer or anything, even listening to my description of something sinister, there's no indication of what's going on. And it just sets up really well. It's just a couple on their honeymoon. And, like, the guy says, like, a stupid crack about, you know, like, resting her womb after having sex. And, like, just, like, you say something that's a stupid one-off line. It's like, well, does that mean something? And then, like, a conversation that comes out of it and all this. And then all of a sudden oh, weird shit starts happening. (laughs) And it like really, really spirals out of control. But it spirals out of control in a really fascinating way because it's, it doesn't really make sense. Like you're not, you can't just track like, oh, this is obviously what's going on. Like you really don't know what's going on at all. Frankly, up until the, even at the very end. Right. You really, you can guess, you can speculate based on what's happened, but it's really uh, subtle. It's really underplayed. Like they, it's way more atmospheric and driven by the performances. And at the time, I could not place where I knew the actress from, John not Snow. realizing that that it was Ygritte <laughs> from Game of Thrones. And and 
And yes, I do want to see an outtake, even though this is pre-Game of Thrones. I want to hear an outtake where at some point she tells her husband, you know nothing, Jon Snow, because (laughs) that's me and I'm selfish and weird. But great performances across the board. Uh, Big recommend for me. Check it out on Tubi, especially if you're just looking for just a really subtle, like, I would call it slow burn. I don't know that there's necessarily a massive climax. It just kind of builds but there is some stuff in the end that i feel like it there is some stuff in the, the end payoff, well, there is a payoff oh. that you know emotionally and horror wise yeah. i think is worth the journey yeah it's pretty impressive it's if if you if this doesn't help pique your interest for fear street i don't know what will <laughs> when you see that kind of talent that is able to go off what i'm guessing was a pretty small budget um so yeah and then I watched 2017's Little Evil on Netflix, Xena's pick. Gary, who's just married Samantha, the woman of his dreams, discovers that her six-year-old son may be the Antichrist. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Xena, why this one? Because it's cute. It's like the omen meets Shaun of the Dead minus zombies. It just made me (laughs) laugh, and it it always puts me in a great mood. I mean, it had a good cast. You have Evangeline Lilly uh, mm-hmm. playing the mom, uh, Samantha, from uh, most notably from Lost. And then uh, Adam Scott, who plays Gary, most notably from uh, Hellraiser 4 Bloodlines. <laughs> <laughs> That's what he's most known for. Got it. <laughs> most notably. And uh, it is, this is, it's a, it's really cute. Adam Scott is so funny and everything he he's is. in anyway. Like. He's got a very similar delivery across the board. If you knew him from like Parks and Rec and like just mm-hmm. other comedies you see him in, he's got that kind of deadpan, deer in the headlights, like just beaten down sort of humor. But I don't know why it works. Sometimes there's some comedians and some actors that do the same. Yeah. I don't want to say the same thing, but you're like, okay, I know this is coming, but mm-hmm. oh, he delivers it so well. Plus the supporting actress who plays Al. Is oh, so freaking funny. The best. <laughs> There's so many lines where it she treads or Al treads this really interesting line of not sure of friend, jerk, just coworker, or like really in Gary's corner. Not right. quite sure. Kind of treads, kind of a big Venn diagram on that one, but ridiculously funny. Um, Chris D'Elia is in it for just a little bit. Fortunately, not very much. Hopefully mm-hmm. not enough to uh, to make people not want to watch it. Yeah. Um, but it's a really, really funny movie. I was a little hesitant because I wasn't sure about, like, the whole Omen-esque thing. It's like, oh, it's going to, with this kid, what's going to go on here? But it's basically all about Gary. <laughs> it <laughs> just... is. And don't forget Clancy Brown. Oh, and of course it? Clancy Brown. Yeah. Yeah, Clancy but, Brown um, has appeared as a priest or some sort of a spiritual advisor in a lot of movies lately. Yes. It feels like. There's uh this part like where it's just like it really just <laughs> really makes me laugh. Um it's where um sorry, it's where uh the character Gary, so Adam Scott's character, he's a part of this like parent group where they just talk about, you know, their kids and stuff, right? Uh-huh. So someone shares what, you know, he was sharing with them what happened. They was like, oh, that's nothing. That's not so bad. 
this person shared a story that their kid climbed up climbed up on their dresser, <laughs> dresser. Yep. and took a dump like in his drawer, but he was but, looking at himself. Yeah, but describes the scenario. <laughs> Keeping eye contact with himself as he's doing it in the drawer. I've got his backpack right now. I'm about to. <laughs> he wants to. And, and the council is like, okay, you need to start seeing me more, more during the week. I'm going to pencil you in for another day this week. Thanks. Yeah, like, it's crazy. Like, he was, he had issues, that guy. But, yeah, I just think it's just a, it's a fun movie. And at first, like, kind of like you, I remember when it first came out, I was like, oh, this is probably just going to be like a ripoff it's probably not going to be funny but no like from the start i found myself you know laughing just having like i had a really good time with it a lot of fun yeah very good big recommend it's and again it's on netflix check it out if you haven't seen it if you, add it to your horror comedy list it's definitely should be on there it's a great one yeah and then finally i had to because now it's available on hulu 2021's willie's wonderland starring nicholas cage a quiet drifter is tricked into a janitorial job at the now-condemned Willie's Wonderland. The mundane tasks suddenly become an all-out fight for survival against wave after wave of demonic animatronics. Fists fly, kicks land. I don't want to read the rest of that. <laughs> IMDb, you just went too long on that description. It's, if you've seen the trailer, it's Five Nights at Freddy's starring Nicolas Cage that the studio will never admit is Five Nights at Freddy because of pending lawsuits. <laughs> <laughs> but it's, you know, it, it's exactly what it looks like. It is Nicolas Cage fighting animatronics with some supporting cast in the background who think they're going to help and don't <laughs> at all. <laughs> it's not going to, I don't think it's going to blow anyone's doors off or suddenly become a a favorite Nicolas Cage performance or Nicolas Cage movie. I did enjoy his performance though. It's really interesting watching Nicolas Cage not talk and just be Nicolas Cage, um, which I, I suppose he does in Mandy too, but mm -hmm. to a much higher degree than he does in Willie's Wonderland. Um, also, I love the idea that Nicolas Cage somewhere in the back of his head is how many movies can I be in where I don't talk? Or I only have like one or two sentences the entire time, because that would be cool. an amazing career too. Um, it's it's super campy and silly and just overall ridiculous, and it's basically shot almost almost in like a grindhouse manner. Like some of the the angles and camera work and like images, it's yeah, it's it's cheesy, campy, but I I had a good time. I enjoyed watching. It. <laughs> I don't know about. Uh, either of you two if you particularly enjoyed it but this was a pretty yet. easy watch for me. <laughs> megan is oh. <laughs> shaking her head <laughs> it's not for me but i'm glad you enjoyed oh. it there you go see and that's another part of the show not every horror movie is for everyone yeah we just we like what we like so before we move on what are we watching how do we watch it so I watched prom night on Tubi and the paperboy on Amazon I watched Monsters on Prime Video and Joyride on Tubi. And I watched Honeymoon on Tubi, Little Evil on Netflix, and Willy's Wonderland on Hulu. All right, before we move on, what am I watching next week? Xena, uh, I think you're up first this week. Have you seen Fender Bender? I have not seen Fender Bender. Cool. It's from 2016, and it's on Amazon. Nice. 
And Megan? Have you seen Burning Bright? Doesn't sound familiar. Tubi. <laughs> oh, Tubi. You're our go-to horror yeah, stop these days. You've got a days. lot of selection. Thank Nothing you. against Shudder. Nothing against no, Shudder No, Shudder is fantastic. Too, Shutter. But I feel like a lot of times, like John probably has seen this. She's probably seen that. Yeah, I've seen a mm-hmm. lot of stuff that sh- would probably show up on Shutter. Yeah. Tubi's got a lot of it's, it's, others. You got to mine sometimes <laughs> for Tubi, or a lot of times yeah. for Tubi. Yeah. All right. Enough about what we've been watching this week. It's time for Megan to bring us up to speed on the news and trending topics in the world of horror. So, what's going on, Megan? Blackula is rising from the coffin. Yeah. <laughs> Variety reported that MGM, Braun, and Hidden Empire film groups Dion and Roxanne Event Taylor are teaming up for a, rebo- a reboot of the black exploitation horror classic. The new film is a modern reimagining of the 1972 movie directed by William Crane and starring William Marshall as Blackula. The reboot picks up where the original saga left off after 73 sequels Scream, Blackula, Scream, and will be set in a metropolitan city post-coronavirus pandemic. Blackula is an ancient African prince who is cursed by Dracula after he fails to agree to end the slave trade. Blackula is entombed and awakens 200 years later, ready to avenge the death of his ancestors and of those responsible for robbing his people of their work, culture, and heritage as they appropriated for profit. Dion Taylor, the director behind Meet the Blacks and 2019's The Intruder, will direct the project based on a script co-written with Micah Ranum. Uh, so William Marshall was the eponymous, eponymous Blackula in the original films. So that leaves some massive shoes to fill for yes. whoever is going to assume this role so uh thoughts on this on all of it because it's there's so much to unpack i think well when i first heard it you know um it's like oh another remake oh but you know what i really like uh the series blackula i think that it's a lot of fun especially well i feel like I feel like it's a lot of fun, but I like, you know, 1970s movies. Blackula is fan. Know... They're both fantastic. I agree with you there. Yeah, I, I agree. And so it's it's just, it's unfortunate because I do know some people where it's just like, they couldn't really get into it because they felt that it was cheesy. But yeah. maybe it's just because of, you know, because the it's era. from the 70s yeah. type of thing. Yeah. So I think that this could actually shine some light, you know, on the series. And plus, you know, I think that it's really cool that Deion Taylor's doing it because I've heard that he's a really big fan of the of the series so i think it's in good hands you got any thoughts john because you just recently watched this for the first time i did i recently i watched for the first time last week it was not i did not talk about it because i know we were going to talk about it in the news i i really liked it you know i've seen plenty of black exploitation movies from the 70s you know between like dolomite and the human tornado and like i've watched a lot of them and this one Yes, I could understand how someone would look at Blackula and say, like, it's a low budget, but I agree that it's also a product of the era. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't think you're going to get big budgets for genre movies, especially another vampire movie. So, yeah, there were some scenes where it's like, are they talking? Because it looks like they're having a conversation with important things going on, and I'm not hearing it. But, Mm -hmm. you know, again, product of the times, the editing, whatever. I honestly, it's a way more heartfelt movie than I thought it was going to be. I actually felt drawn in by Blackula and um He's William Marshall. So he's good. Just so smart. He's so regal too. He is. So yeah. Worked for me. Um 
<laughs> so, I mean, granted, like the opening scene, I mean, there's, pl- there's plenty of stuff that's problematic about the original, but this is a reboot. It's not like you're going to go word for word. You're not going right. to do a, a, but interestingly, uh, a Gus Van Sant shot for shot. Yeah, but version. they're approaching this like a sequel. That's the thing. It's like they're using the word that. reboot, but they are approaching this as a follow-up. Like, this is a part three type scenario. So that's this very, that's why I'm like, there's a lot to unpack. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I, I've i got no problem like with stuff like this or, or like, um, oh, man, what was... What was the one starring Michael Jai White? Um, uh, Black Dynamite. Black Dynamite. Mm-hmm. Like <laughs> any or a, any sort of like shining a light on seventies black exploitation or just African American actors or just showing giving a reboot to those franchises. Go for it. Why not? Mm-hmm. Like that's awesome. Like if you're gonna you're gonna reboot. Every Stephen King movie that's already been written, produced, turned into a movie, and then you're going to make another version of it anyway, why not give some credit to some of the movies in the 70s that people might not have had experience with and just give them some due credit? Well, get ahead of the curve and watch it if you haven't, because it is really good. Of course, there's going to be language and some jokes that are not going to hold up. But it's, I mean, William Marshall (laughs) is so good. William Crane directed the hell out of it. And Mm -hmm. um, I mean, it's just going to float this out there into the universe. But, you know, Idris Elba could possibly make a good Blackula. I was going to say that I think that he could or otherwise, to be honest, I think that they should just find someone new. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like an undiscovered gem. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. I'm still bitter that Idris Elba is not going to be James Bond. So, yeah, make him Blackula. Yeah. We shall see. This is this is recently announced, so we shall see. And uh, you know, don't always well, we don't talk too much about physical media because it's a lot to keep up with. And yeah, but this is this is noteworthy. At least it is for me. Uh one of the most beloved vampire movies from the eighties, Catherine Bigelow's horror western near dark, has been really tough to find, speaking of our earlier conversation. It has been out of print for several years, unless you're willing to fork mm-hmm. over a lot of dough on the secondhand market, and it very rarely ever goes to uh, to streaming. I mean, the last time I remember, it was for a fleeting moment last April on the Criterion channel, and it was gone again, and you cannot find it. Wow. So if you missed adding it to your collection, your chance is finally coming. Uh, Near Dark will be making its 4K Ultra HD debut sometime soon, thanks to Studio Canal, a European distribution company. Uh, This circulated on social media, but Studio Canal did confirm earlier this month that Near Dark is being re-released this year. Um, They had a YouTube video about their 2021 catalog, and clips of it were included in that. And that was on June 2nd. So if you need double the confirmation that it's coming, there you go. Uh, The video description reads, Studio Canal has ramped up ambitious restoration plans to keep one of the largest catalogs in the world up to the latest technological standards. Our technical standards. We are thrilled to unveil our trailer showcasing our most recent and awaited releases coming soon. So that was a part of it. And if you're unfamiliar with Near Dark, the plot follows cowboy Caleb Colton, played by Adrian Pasdar, who meets a gorgeous young woman named May at a bar, played by she's played by Jenny, Jenny Wright. And the two immediately hit it off. Sparks are flying, except she happens to be a vampire and she bites him. And she turns him, so he has to assimilate into her very unwelcoming vampire family. Racked with a craving for human blood, he's forced to leave his family and ride with May and her gang of vampires, including the evil Severin, which is one of my favorite all-time vampires, played by Bill Paxton. 
And along the way, he must decide if his new love of May and, you know, he must choose between May or his own family. Uh, I adore this. This was released the same year as uh, The Lost Boys, 87. So two wholly different vampire experiences. Mm -hmm. How do you feel about Near Dark? They have. T it's taken way too long for them to re-release this. Right. This has been one of those gems for me. Now, I I always enjoyed the movie, but now I'm wondering: is it absence makes a heart grow fonder? Because I can't get it anywhere without dishing no, out like I, 100 I bucks. No, I full blown love it. I watched it on Criterion when it was last year. I even tweeted about it. I'm like, this is a gem. And even if you don't. <laughs> The main storyline, like the main character, eh, it's really the Winnebago vampire clan that I'm super mm -hmm. in love with because they I'm are definitely brutal. buying this. Yeah. For sure. um, and again, Same. I don't talk about um, physical media releases as often. It's it's a little tricky, especially when you are across on an international like re there's regions. But just a reminder, 4K is region free. So this mm -hmm. applies to all of us. We can all snag this if nice. you have a 4K player. So, yeah. Uh, and John Jarrett returns as Mick Taylor in Wolf Creek 3. To date, the Wolf Creek franchise includes two films and two seasons of a TV series. Creator filmmaker Greg McLean, he's been teasing a while that he's wanted to make a third movie, and it's finally happening. Altitude Film Sales has taken worldwide sales rights and will be introducing the projects to buyers at the virtual can market this week. So expect release details to come sometime in the near future probably um in the third film an american family takes a dream trip to the australian outback and soon draws the attention of notorious serial killer mick taylor a hellish nightmare ex ensues as the couple's two children escape only to be hunted by australia's most infamous killer john jarrett returns as mick taylor uh greg mclean is going to produce the third installment but rochelle wiggins is going to be in the director's seat this time uh, production is set to commence late 2021 in South Australia. And uh, Duncan Samarinsi wrote the script. Uh, McLean said in a statement, Duncan's compelling suspense-filled script combined with Rochelle's exciting directorial vision for the film will deliver a horror roller coaster ride sure to delight genre fans around the world. Uh, I gotta say, one, I'm not caught up at all on the series. But two, I feel like we have a low-key slasher icon that doesn't get probably the spotlight that he deserves. I mean, that's, that's all a huge franchise in the making. Are you guys fans? I agree. I agree. And I was going to say that as well. I feel like I'm super behind. I watched the first one, but I haven't watched the second movie. So, um, yeah, I need to catch up. But... I just remember enjoying it and wanting more, but you're right though. Like even when I think about slashers or serial killers, sometimes he doesn't always come to mind. Yeah. Yeah. This one, I like Xena, I only saw the first movie. I haven't seen the TV show either. And honestly, the thing that the series hurt itself for me because they call it based on a true story, at least the original movie, I believe they said it was based on true story. Maybe it was even just as a trailer. It was just based on some people disappearing in the Australian outback. And that was like kind of the cusp of movies saying based on a true story like they The Strangers. They actually based him, uh, the killer itself, on a specific person who targeted backpackers. Is it? Yeah. Okay. May maybe, I mean, maybe I'm also conflict or confused. There were, yeah, there were a lot. The Strangers. There were so many of them. And I think sometimes 
sometimes I get lost in the details of that. Like it's based on so and so, and then you see an interaction. It's like, well, was this? Is that how this really happened? Yeah. Like then that's like too much for me. If they pull elements of truth, that's enough for them to be like based on true story. I, yeah, and like I, I don't think people need to do that. No, <laughs> that's my that's me personally because he stood out by himself. He was terrifying. Yeah, the whole, yeah. Like his head on a stick thing still bugs me a lot. Um, so yeah, it's super brutal, and maybe I just need to revisit it too. Maybe I should just give it another maybe shot. We just all to... do because I feel we like do. Mick Taylor needs a bigger following. I mean, yeah, because I think th- I saw it in the theaters. I did too. And the first one had to come out in what like two thousand two thousand five. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So, so yeah, it's been a little while. Two seasons of a TV series, and we're about to have three movies. You know, I'm curious if he's a huge horror icon in Australia, but here I feel like hmm. we don't have a whole lot of slasher icons anymore, and he's been under our nose. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Good point. And uh, recent, very recent news that is specifically tailor made for John. I plucked this for you, sir. <laughs> Yay. Uh, it was announced that indie genre specialist XYZ Films is getting into the distribution game, launching a U.S. operation and bringing a bo- on board former Drafthouse Films and Neon executive James Emanuel Shapiro. Why is this newsworthy? Because the domestic operation, which Shapiro will run as executive VP of U.S. distribution, will launch with something in the dirt. The latest feature from directing duo Justin Benson and Aaron Moorhead, which is billed as a return to their DIY indie origins seen in features like Resolution and Spring. Produced by their longtime producer, David Lawson, under their Rustic Film Production Company banner, Something in the Dirt is currently in post. So they have already shot this. The feature marks the fifth collaboration with XYZ. More recently, Benson and Moorhead have seen mainstream success with sci-fi thriller Synchronic, starring Anthony Mackie and Jamie Dornan, which hit number one on its Netflix debut. And they're currently shooting Marvel series Moon Knight for Disney+. And tangentially, David Lawson is a frequent collaborator of the Chattanooga Film Festival, which kicks off this weekend with another virtual offering. So if you're in the U.S., badges are cheap, and the event is full of panels, screenings, and virtual events. So maybe Lawson will drop some scoop on this film? I don't know. I mean, it's pretty far along. Let me hear your thoughts, John. Are you excited about this? Well, I got really excited during your buildup when you said it was specifically for me because I thought you were going to announce I was like the producer on it or something. I, I would think <laughs> you would know if you're a producer. Like, oh my God, what's going on? How do you not know if you're uh, a producer? They've already you could be. It. I get a lot of emails. I don't. Yeah, I can't well, track you should everything. answer them. <laughs> um, I'm still in the middle of uh, re upping my Norton. Uh, antivirus and the extended warranty on my car i've been really busy with those lately okay so <laughs> Exciting. i love benson and moorhead the only thing that bums me out is how under wraps they keep stuff like synchronic i feel like it it got released and then it disappeared for like two years until they released it on netflix like i couldn't find it anywhere that wasn't the intent though because the pandemic derailed everything that was a theatrical yeah. release and it did come out in theaters during a time when the theaters weren't really a thing um and they even okay. flat out encouraged people we would we would prefer for your safety you didn't go to the theaters so so maybe i'm probably thinking when they originally had their film fest i saw premiere, it which the was year like, before so i saw it at the film yeah. fest of 2019 and it was supposed yeah, exactly. to come out in 2020 and it technically okay. did so yeah just time is completely skewed these days because <laughs> i 
I was bummed out that I couldn't even get a trailer for it. I'm like, what is this about? How'd you get Anthony Mackie in this? Yeah. And like, and, and, and I love Benson and Moorhead. God, I'll watch VHS three just for Benson and Moorhead. But I, I do um, love that they're going back to, it's like, yeah, we're, we're, our, we're on an ascension here with big projects. We're doing something for Disney mm-hmm. plus, but we still want to do these small little DIY projects. And I like that. I think it's great. I hope more directors start doing that sort of thing, too, because I get a little worried that these really great directors get tied into these contracts for these big budgets that are like, you're going to work on this. You're going to be under our thumb. You're going to do what we want, and you're not going to work on your projects. You're going to do our projects. And Benson and, and Moorhead, because uh, who, um, uh, it's not, who's uh, starring in Moon Knight? Um um, I don't even remember. From the Star Wars movies, the pilot and uh, oh, played the... Poe Dam- you talk about um, the young version, right? No, the uh, um, he's in Dune and he's in the new Dune movie and oh, um, some what's that boy's name? Like the <laughs> Timothy Chalamet? Yeah. No, what who is- played oh. the pilot in the new Star Wars movies? Like the main pilot. Oh my God, Poe! You play isn't his name Poe? Oh, Oscar Isaacs! Me. Just give me thank you. Oh, like, I'm you so, do realize no, that Star Wars is you. a movie about like a lot of pilots in Star Wars, right? A lot oh, of wait, them. the new the new one. Well, it's about him though. He's the only pilot by name, I think. Uh, Chewie, oh Han Solo, they were pilots. Oh my God, I'm going to cut out like seven minutes of struggling. <laughs> wait, but how were we killing you when you couldn't remember first? And then you're Because I us. rely on you two to be so much better than me. No. You're above me. Don't sink to my level by not no. knowing answers to stuff. Hey, hey, um, I got anyway. it in the end. Help us help you. You did get it. <laughs> so Oscar Isaac is, I think, I'm almost positive, starring in Moon Knight. So... I don't even remember where I was going with this. I'm just glad that they're still making indie style stuff because they're awesome. Truth. And I and I hope Moon Knight's I hope Moon Knight feels like one of their productions. As opposed to what you hear like guest directors going on like CSI, where they're like, Yeah, it's not gonna be no one's gonna know the difference between you being behind the camera and anyone else. We've got a routine. So hopefully it'll be really interesting to see though. <laughs> Ten minutes later I got to my point on that one. <laughs> How about you, Zena? Well, I, I do have a quick announcement, if that's okay. So, um, Mental Health in Horror, uh, a documentary. So, the Kickstarter launches on Wednesday, meaning today, when you're listening. So, nice. there you go. Oh, and watch Zena's awesome. 10-year anniversary video on YouTube. It's cute. We might be and in it. both in it. <laughs> Yay. I like stuff with me. <laughs> I'm going to make this about me. All right, listeners, your turn. Excited for the potential for Blackula? Waving your money in the air for a copy in Near Dark like me? Let's hear about it. The number is 224-475-1040. The number is in the show notes, too. You can also shoot us an email, bedisgustingpodcast at gmail.com, or be like our friend Elliot in Australia and just send us your message via email at bedisgustingpodcast at gmail.com. Finally, Xena's going to make all our lives easier in the sea of horror movie options and clue us in on what's appearing soon that we should watch. So, Xena, what should we be watching? So, we do have a, a lot of things coming our way this week. Um, but just in case, if you're like, oh, I don't know, Bloody Disgusting TV is available. Okay? So, that way, you don't even have to decide. Just cut it on. So, starting on Tuesday, June 22nd, 
Babysitter, the Babysitter Must Die will be available on VOD. Members of a cult invade the home of a wealthy family, but they didn't count on a resourceful babysitter who, who's armed with a, with a variety of weapons. So sorry. Then on Wednesday, June 23rd, An Unacquired Grave will be available on Shudder. On the anniversary of his wife's untimely death, a man convinces her twin sister to perform a ritual to allow him to see her again. You already know that that's, that doesn't even sound great. And then uh, from June 25th to July 25th, so starting on Friday, all the way until July, Etheria Film Festival will be available on Shudder. There will be eight short films available to check out. Um, and so, yeah, and then also there's a live event on June 26th in Kansas City. So coming our way on Friday, June 25th, The Evil Next Door will be available on VOD. New to her stepmother role, Sharon moves into a duplex with her partner Frederick and his son. The home feels like the right place to start to becoming a family. However, when Frederick leaves, strange things are heard from the other side of the uninhabited side. All right, next up we have Werewolves Within. It'll be available in limited theaters. In this comedy horror from Josh Rubin, a snowstorm traps town residents together inside the local inn where newly arrived forest ranger and a postal worker must try to keep the peace and uncover the truth behind a mysterious creature that has begun has that has begun terrorizing the community. Megan, have you checked that one out yet? I have. It's cute. I think it's like more yeah. more comedy than horror. But it's, it's like needful things. Okay. And then coming up next, we have, this is all on Friday, Too Late will be available on VOD. The lonely assistant to a famed comedian who is literally a monster finally finds love and must find a way to escape her boss's clutches before she and her new love becomes his next meal. Like literally. Then we have False Positive. It will be available on Hulu. Lucy and Adrian find their dream fertility doctor. Dr. Hendel, but after becoming pregnant, Lucy begins to notice something sinister behind Hendel's charm, and she sets out to uncover the unsettling truth about him. Then last, Megan spoke about this movie, My Heart Can't Beat Unless You Tell It To. It'll be available on VOD. Two mysterious siblings find themselves at odds over the care of their frail and sickly young brother. And that's the Bloody Disgusting Podcast for this week, everyone. If you'd like to read more from Megan, you can check out her reviews at bloodydisgusting.com or on Twitter at HauntedMeg. Xena can be found on her own site, realqueenofhorror.com, and YouTube channel of the same name, celebrating 10 years. Yeah. Or lovely Xena on Twitter, or at lovely Xena on Twitter. And you can hear me on my weekly horror nation podcast, Creepy. Don't forget to hit subscribe on your favorite podcast app, and feel free to follow us on Instagram and Twitter at BeDisgustingPod, on Facebook at The Bloody Disgusting Podcast, or drop us an email at BeDisgustingPodcast at gmail.com. And for even more content and rewards, check us out on Patreon.com slash BeDisgustingPod. So for this week, I'm John. I'm Megan. I'm Zena. Grab some popcorn, cozy up on the couch, and watch something you love. Just make sure it's something bloody.